Well, good morning to all of our friends there in Downham Market in the UK. Uh, it's great to uh, see you here online. And uh, sorry this taking a little while to get this video to you, but I'm really hoping that when you listen to this message, it'll be a word in season for you. Uh, I want to share with you something that's been very close on my heart during this pandemic season. Uh, the idea of liminality. Let me say that word again. Liminality. Um, some of you might be familiar with it in terms of psychology. Certainly it was uh, first really, uh, the idea was first framed by a guy called Arnold van Gennep back in 1909 when he uh, studied the passage rites of boys becoming men. And he noticed that there was uh, first separation, then there was living on the margin, and then there was aggregation. Uh, it was popularized about 30 years ago, this term liminality, by a guy called Victor Turner. And if you look up those two men, you can learn more about this concept. Uh, yes, it is popular in psychology um, when it talks about uh, uh, the subliminal uh, or the unconscious and the supraliminal, which is the conscious. It's somewhere in between the unconscious and the conscious, between the subliminal and the supraliminal, between the two is a liminal space. Uh, it's an in-between space. But it has more to do these days. Uh, the application of liminality is much broader than psychology. I believe that it describes a, a, a space or a place and even the feelings and the thoughts that we experience when we are in between. Why don't you say that after me? In between. Or as some would say, betwixt. It's when we're between one state and another between what was and what will be, between chaos and between order, between the incident that occurred and the resolution of the incident, uh, the problem and the solution, that's the in-between space, uh, between, and importantly, between something old and something new. I do believe that God is doing a new thing in this, se in this season, uh, kahinos, K-A-I-N-O-S, a new thing, not the same, not reformatted, but new in nature. God is doing something new in the earth today. He wasn't caught by surprise in this pandemic. Uh, he is using this time to grab our attention again. Uh, liminality is not just a place of transition, but it also can be a great place of transformation. And I really do believe it describes what's happening in the world today. In this space, we can all experience both negative and positive feelings. That is true. You see, the negative feelings could be discomfort, anxiety, worry, fear, insecurity, disorientation, and certainly ambiguity. Our habits and our routines and our beliefs and yes, even our identity can uh, be threatened or diminished or minimalized in some way. It's a redefining moment. But there's also positive feelings that some people feel during this uh, season of transition, this liminal space, as we call it. Um, some people have faith and excitement and anticipation and hope and they look forward to a fresh start because they love change right are you one of those people 
I'm not sure. Most people don't like change, right? Uh, it's a place of creativity. It's a place of innovation. And it's a place where we are on the verge of something new. In fact, in the Latin, which, liminality comes from a Latin word. And that Latin word is limen, L-I-M-E-N, limen, which means, watch this, threshold. Threshold. Think about a threshold. It's the doorway into something new. You pass from one space to another, from one room to another. It's the old idea of the husband carrying his new wife over the threshold as they begin a new life together. It's unbelievable. It's a great concept. And I want to share some ideas with you about this. Uh, before I do that, what could be some of these natural liminal spaces that we journey through? Uh, for example, waiting nine months for the birth of your first child. You know, that's a liminal space. Uh, between the cancer diagnosis and the remission, that's a liminal space. Uh, when you journey the death of a loved one, as you re-navigate life without them, that's liminality. Uh, the breakdown or the breaking of a relationship, uh, starting a new job, starting a new career, um, certainly losing a job and getting a job, there's a space in between that can be redefining for many people. Uh, relocating to a different city, to a different suburb, certainly one of the biggest liminal spaces and times of liminality in our lives for myself and Nikki would be when we moved from Australia to the UK. That's when we met you guys. Uh, we were there for more than five years and there was, the, the adjustment was huge. We are thankful that there are many things that we recognised, uh, language and roads and road rules and driving on the same side of the road and all of those things and many of the things that are embedded in English culture are also expressed in Australian culture. Uh, it would be a lot more difficult if we'd moved to China or to Ghana or Nigeria uh, or Kenya or, or Romania where things would be uh, quite different. But these are liminal spaces. It's any space where you're moving from one state to another, from one uh, paradigm to another. Uh, and the list goes on. There's many things I could share uh, in that. Uh, you, you can be frozen and even paralyzed in this space if you're not careful. Uh, I remember a time, let me tell you the story. I'm a painter and decorator by trade. And I can remember when I was just doing my trade, I would, would have only been probably 17 at the time. And uh, my, my boss had left me on this big site to uh, varnish by hand with brush, not with a roller, just with brush and, and pot, these uh, uh, exposed timber ceilings on this big marine research facility just outside of Townsville in North Queensland many, many years ago. And my, my boss was notorious for rigging up his own types of scaffolding, if you know what I mean, breaking all of the building regulation rules. And he had these extension ladders strapped with wire to the top of these 16-foot trestles, right? It's a long way up. So we're talking, you know, what, uh, 16 or 5, 5.5 metres up in the air. Big, long 6-metre plank uh, off, these, off these trestles. So I am more than 7, 8 metres up in the air. And as I'm walking on this plank, it's bouncing like this. And the, the two extension ladders that are now pointing in this way are bouncing like this as well. And... Uh, I can remember a moment, and I've got nothing to hang on to at all. I'm balancing on this, on this plank, and I'm putting my, 
brush into the into the pot and I'm on the side and then I'm going like this and I'm balancing. My balance was quite good. Uh, my fear of heights was, uh, uh, you know, wasn't a big thing for me. Uh, I had it under control, but I I I I, I bounced a little bit too much and I, I felt like I, I I panicked for a moment. Just by I just it caught me by surprise, but I was frozen and here I was in the middle of this six meter plank out in the middle of nowhere. It was scary, right? And I remember having to get down and put bend down and put my pot down and end up sitting down on the plank. I straddled the plank with my legs and I crawled across to the end on my bum, right across the other end and I, and I made my way down. I was so relieved, I was breaking out in a sweat. I was, my heart was thumping, I was, I was terrified. I was paralyzed in that in-between space, in between the two trestles on that bouncing plank. I was disoriented, I was trying to find, I had nothing to grab onto, I had no reference points. All I had was, could I make it there? Do I go back there or do I go that way? Uh, and I was frozen. And, and liminality can be for some people like that. And for some churches it can be like that. For some individuals it can be like that. It can be very paralyzing uh, and, and disempowering. And it's a place of ambiguity. There's so much unknown. Uh, what's going to happen next? No one knows. And to me, let me say it again, I believe this word liminality describes so much of where we're at in the world today. Now, you might say, okay, Gary, enough of the psychology. What does the Bible have to say about this? Well, I believe the Bible has a lot to say about this subject. So let me uh, uh, share a few thoughts with you. Um, I believe, first of all, that there are many times when we see God's people and His chosen servants in a time of liminality. And I'm convinced that God speaks with a megaphone during times of liminality. I really do believe that. Uh, some of the most powerful times, poignant times that God has spoken to me have been through times when I have been in transition, when I've been between two things, when it's been unknown in the midst of a crisis where things have settled and I've reached out to God and God has just spoken things in my life and Nikki's life that has been so powerful and prophetic over the years and I want that for you as well. Because this, this season we're in, we don't know when it's going to end. It seems to be in correlation with a vaccination rollout. But who knows, friends? All I know is that I believe that this liminal space will end when God has finished doing His unique work among His people around the world. I believe that in, a, in the times of liminality, it's when God reveals His character. It's when he demonstrates his power. It's when he shows forth his love in a new way. It's when he outworks his greatest purposes. And it's when he tends to vocalize his plans to those who are listening intently for his heart. Uh, I believe, and I've noticed in God's word, he has an obsession with wildernesses and caves and uh, remote places and isolated places and islands and mountaintops and rooftops and the list goes on. We see all of the great men and women of God experiencing uh, these places, including and especially including the children of Israel, which we must not forget was uh, 
a case study in how God deals with humanity. He said that he would deal with them and he would bless them and he would increase them and multiply them and he would do wonders among them so that the whole world would be jealous of them that they had such a great God. And of course, you know the story, they rejected God and then God took his message through Jesus uh, to the whole world uh, and through Paul and others to the Gentiles as well. And now we as the church are supposed to make the world jealous uh, and they would wonder who this great God is. But enough of that, that would be for another day. Uh, these liminal spaces are very, very powerful. Let's look at a few of them as we draw the message to a, a close. Uh, let me just rattle a few off to you and then pray with you. First of all, let's look at Adam and Eve. Uh, they leave the perfection and the security of the garden and they are removed from that because of sin and disobedience. And what do they learn in that place? What, what does God reveal to them? His judgment? No. He reveals to them that he is a just and merciful God. And he speaks uh, in that very moment. He speaks about the promised Messiah right there in Genesis 2 and 3. Uh, that he would put enmity between them and the serpent. And he shows justice in, in, in killing an animal and, and, and clothing them with, uh, so that they're not naked and exposed to the elements. We, we see all of these beautiful pictures and narratives of salvation and redemption occurring right there with Adam and, and Eve. But that moving from the security and safety of the garden to the unknown, that's a liminal space. What about Abram before he was Abraham? In Genesis 12, he's told to relocate his 70-member family he says, go to a place that I will show you. He doesn't even tell him where to go. He just says, go and I will show you. Imagine uh, in that in-between that in space how much Abram had to trust God. And then later on, of course, Abraham in Genesis 22, when he's commanded to, uh, to sacrifice the son whom he loves, to sacrifice Isaac. And what does God reveal? God reveals that he is the great provider. Uh, what does he do? He reassures uh, uh, and, and reaffirms his covenant with Abraham and with the world and, and with the people of Israel and, he, and his promises and, he, and his reassurance is echoed all the way through that wonderful passage. And how does Abraham respond with great faith and great obedience to God? You see, how we respond in these times is absolutely critical. Why don't we consider Job for a moment. We see that the book of Job really does record, it's, it summarizes the beginning of his life or his life up to a certain point in chapter 1 in just a handful of verses. That he's the most blessed man on earth. And we know at the, the, the last chapter, chapter 42, describes what his life then became. But those 40 chapters in between represent about nine months of his life. It's not his whole life, just a testing season that he went through. Please note that what we're in right now is a season. And Job went through a season as well. And it's a horrible season for Job. Uh, we, and I don't want to unpack that story now. We don't really have time. But we know that Satan asks for permission to test him and says to God, he, he, would, he, would, he won't bless you. He won't love you. He won't continue to uh, serve you if you take all that stuff away from him. If you remove him and, and just and put him into an unknown space, uh, he, won't, he won't serve you anymore. And of course, we know that God allows 
Satan to remove things from Job's life except for his life, except for his life, yeah? And in that process, we see how Job hangs on to God. Um, God reveals ultimately his sovereignty over all things his sovereignty over the devil his sovereignty over the earth his sovereignty over circumstances his sovereignty over job's life it's amazing amazing message and of course we know how job responds he responds with perseverance and james 5 verse 11 records in history that job is a man who persevered and we can use him as an example for our own lives what about Israel? I mean, the list would just go on, uh, you know, especially in the wilderness journey. A journey that was supposed to take 11 days took 40 years. How incredible. You know, it was a liminal space. Um, Numbers 14 verse 22 records how God was keeping count of the number of times they tested him in the wilderness. It says, these 10 times you have tested me. Let me just write down, uh, let me just uh, record for you those 10 testings. You'll find them in Exodus 14, verses 10 to 12. Uh, also in Exodus 15, verses 22 to 24 at Marah, where they found the bitter water. At Exodus 16, in the desert of Sin or Sin, as they hungered. Uh, in Exodus 16, again, uh, again in the desert of Sinai, as they paid no attention to Moses concerning the storing of manna. Uh, oh, again in Exodus 16, verses 27 to 30, again in the desert of Sinai, as they disregarded Moses concerning the gathering of the manna on the seventh day. And then, of course, if you go into Exodus 17, at Rephidim, they tested him as they complained about water. In Exodus 32, at Mount Sinai, as Aaron led the people to build a golden calf. Then you move to the book of Numbers, Numbers 11, at Tabera or Tabera, where the people raged against the Lord. In Numbers 11, again, at Kibroth Hatava, uh, in the grumbling, uh, provo uh, provoking God to provide a, 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 a swarm of quail. And of course, in Numbers 14, at Kadesh, when the people receive, uh, refuse to receive the good report uh, from Joshua and Caleb. Uh, ten uh, testings that are recorded there for you. Uh, and each time God reveals his power, his love toward them, his, his uh, long-suffering toward them. Aren't you glad God, God suffers long with us? Aren't you glad? I'm so glad uh, that he suffers long. Uh, I'm glad that his patience is longer than mine or yours. Uh, we tend to be impatient, but he is patient with us. No matter what you're going through in this season, and even if you feel like you've let God down time and time again, God, I'm guaranteeing you, I'm telling you, God is long-suffering towards you. His faithfulness endures forever to the generation, to the next generation. Let's consider quickly Joseph. To read the story, you have to read 15 chapters from Genesis 36 through to Genesis 50. He entered into many liminal spaces when he's disregarded by his family, when he's sold into slavery, so in the pit, in Potiphar's house, in the prison, and then in Pharaoh's courts. These are all liminal spaces for Joseph. 
And each time God is revealed as the great deliverer, the God who keeps his promise. He is the great dream giver and he is the great dream achiever. That's who he is. And uh, he's the great dream fulfiller, sorry. Uh, Joseph's uh, response for those 13 years is that he keeps a purity of heart. He remains submissive to authority. He hung on to his dream. He believed that one day he would see his family again. And so he learned the power of forgiveness and reconciliation. You see, sometimes during these liminal times, God can do such a deep work in us. So profound, so deep. Things that we never thought we could ever overcome or even endure quite often happen during these seasons. May I encourage you to go deeper with God. Oh, in the time that we've got together, what about David? Uh, between being anointed as king and becoming the king, that was a liminal space. Let me say it again. The, tw- but the, 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 the point of, be- of being anointed as king as the shepherd boy and becoming the king, that was a space where God had to deal with him and deal with Saul all at the same time. And he hangs on to God. He believes God. He, he honors the Lord and he honors the man of God in the same process. And God preserves his life. Preserves his life and preserves his promise toward David's life. And David becomes that first model of a, of a kingdom king. Uh, yes, he was flawed. Yes, he failed. But he models for us the first chosen king that God had chosen beyond himself to be the king of uh, Israel. Uh, so many lessons to be learned in David, right? I mean, especially when you read the book of Psalms. But we don't have time to share those things in this message. Or what about Moses? Uh, struggling with his identity in the wilderness, raised as an Egyptian, with privilege and with power, discovers that he's an Israelite. Uh, he's the descendant of Levi. He, he realizes that he really is meant to be a slave. Uh, he kills an Egyptian. He flees to the wilderness and he encounters God at a bush that could not be consumed. And this, this wilderness journey for Moses where God makes him a leader of a group of people. And in this space, in this 40 years, God does an amazing thing inside of Moses and inside of his people. It's an incredible story and so many lessons to be learned. Uh, Look, if we had time, we could go on and talk about Elijah in a cave and John on the Isle of Patmos and Peter on a rooftop and them receiving powerful revelations during those times and Paul in a prison writing his epistles and even Jesus in the wilderness as he's driven there by the Holy Spirit and he comes out after 40 days in the power of the Spirit. All of these are types of liminal spaces. And even as I'm talking, I'm conscious that you're facing your liminal space, not just in the UK, not just in your church, but also in your own life as well. And I want to say it again, God speaks with a megaphone during times of liminality. You haven't heard him yet? If you listen carefully, he will speak to you. Uh, I really do believe that these are critical times in which we live. These are times in which God is wanting to do something special in our lives and in our churches 
as well. You see, how you... Remember, uh, Lyman, it's a threshold. I believe how we come out of this season and how we enter into the new one will determine the future of our church and our churches. It's a liminal space. It's not all negative. Uh, it's liminality, not, not limitationality. So don't put limits on God. Realize that God is very, very present during this season. Amen. Let me pray for you. Down on Market Church, let me pray for you. Father, I pray right now that in this time of liminality, you would speak to all of our hearts with a megaphone. Father, you know how to get our attention. And so we open up our hearts and our minds to receive fresh revelation from you. We want to emerge from this season in the power of the Spirit, having gone deeper with you, a deeper revelation of your character, your person, and your purposes. And so, Lord, do a deep work in us. And may we come like Jesus. May we emerge from this time in the power of your spirit. We pray for the Down on Market Church that it would continue to thrive and be influential in the surrounding town and region. Lord, we pray these things in your name. Have your will with the church in Down on Market, but have your way with the church in the UK and around the world. We open up our hearts and lives to you this day. We thank you for your perseverance, your long suffering, your graciousness, your mercy, and your faith toward our lives. We give you all the praise and all the glory. Amen and amen. Well, I hope that message really helped you. I didn't want to go much longer than that. Uh, it can be a little bit boring these days, I believe, uh, watching a screen and getting so zoomed out uh, and video called out. Uh, we all are growing square eyes. But I really do hope this message has been a blessing to you and a help to you. And uh, all the best. God bless you. And greetings from Nikki and our church here in Australia. And we're praying for you and praying all things will go well with you over the coming months and years. Amen. God bless you.